0: ncia's cannabis industry voice begins now
1: hello and thanks for tuning in to another episode of ncia's cannabis industry voice on cannabis radio i'm your host bethany moore i'm the communications manager at the national cannabis industry association Today my guest is Adrian Jivenko. He's a passionate engineer with over a decade of experience designing, selling, and commissioning HVAC and process systems throughout North America. Recognizing that there's a knowledge gap around fully understanding plant transpiration rates and how they impact controlled environments, he founded Inspire to focus on advanced transpiration solutions, which allow for precise environmental control throughout the growing cycle and into the dry cure and process manufacturing. Adrian currently serves on NCIA's Facilities Design Committee. Welcome to the show, Adrian.
2: Hi, Bethany. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for having me.
1: Great. Yeah, thanks for taking some time to join us today. Uh, let's start by getting to know you. Uh, let's learn about your background and your experiences and where you're from and what you did before uh, joining us here in the cannabis industry. What's, what's your background?
2: Yeah, thanks. So I, I grew up, up in the Sierra Nevada foothills on a family-owned and operated 300-acre membership camping resort uh, called Ghost Mountain Ranch. And uh, my father single-handedly sold around 3,000 family memberships during the 1980s and created a really cool, lively uh, atmosphere for for folks, particularly from the Sacramento area in the Valley, to be able to come up and, and camp in the woods. Um, he played a lot of music there. I grew up with lots of music around. Um, but really, um, at the end of the day, looking back, realized that I was growing up in a customer service oriented business and type relationships. Although we as kids just thought they were friends and, you know, extended family members. Um, so I I wanted to play music and follow my dad's footsteps there. He was much smarter um, and said, sure you can do that, but at least go get yourself some sort of a degree to fall back on. Um, and so I ended up with a math and science type track and applied to Cal Poly for a mechanical engineering degree, um, which I thought was going to be a really broad type topic and subject uh, Turns out it's fairly specific. Uh, I thought I was going to end up sort of in narrow, you know, pigeonholed into a desk type job, design type job, come to find out there's lots and lots of different types of of engineering, mechanical engineering jobs. But I ended up with an industrial and manufacturing engineering degree uh, from Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, um, and then went to do some on-campus interviews to get some experience And figure out what I was going to do after college. And the second interview out of three in a row that I signed up for uh, was with the train company. Um, It's a large HVAC manufacturer. And uh, I heard 100% commission sales and uh, engineering, (laughs) you know, finding ways to use that engineering, um, you know, in conjunction with the communication skills that I had. um, And I, I really signed right up.
1: Oh, gotcha! Yeah, I, I can see your the the left brain with the math and the science and the technical engineering, and then uh, combining it with the creative right brain with the the people, the people skills uh, and the soft skills. And wow, summer camp! <laughs> as as we're getting into the summer here, uh, summer camp sounds pretty fun. Right about now, since there's nothing else to do.
2: <laughs> I know it's very different, really, from what we have in our in our midst currently. Um, but yeah, hopefully folks can still get out and enjoy the outdoors regardless of what we have going on.
1: Yes. I'm lucky to live very close to the Rocky mountains right now. Um, so how did you take all of those skills and, and all that experience and shift over here into the cannabis industry? And was it something you were drawn to do or had a passion for before getting involved?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty, pretty natural. I mean, I have, I have relationship with the plant, you know, back to, you know, freshman year of college and a a (laughs) good friend, uh, girlfriend who came down from Humboldt and brought with her some of the best outdoor, you know, that was grown from her family farm who even then themselves as kids didn't even know where existed um, in that type of an environment, but um, it quickly became the most popular uh, freshman on the in the dorm building, no doubt. Um, but um, you know that sort of you know, with the the knowledge of my my father's sort of trajectory from North Jersey in a very regimented environment, um, being arrested for having a joint on him in his car in the late oh, '60s, no. um, all the way through to um, having cancer, um, stage four colon cancer, about six or seven years ago um, and and passing away fairly quickly of it um, and really not feeling like there was much to turn to outside of chemo. He did turn to some CBD, but there was just very little known around it. It would knock him down completely for one week. It wouldn't be the right dosage the next week. Um, Who knows if it even was really doing anything? Should he have been doing that only instead of chemo? I mean, there's so many questions that I feel like need to be answered. And worked through. Um, and so really feel blessed that, that we're able to be able to be in this industry and in this world. Um, the, the, re- the real reason that we made this jump over um, specifically to horticulture and cannabis um, is just really from the nature of, of serving the Sa- greater San Francisco Bay Area market. Um, I focused and had to f- operate um, and started a um, sub office for our company, Pacific Coast train up in Petaluma and Santa Rosa. Um, And so there's a lot going on in Sonoma County, Mendocino counties, and Mm. further north. Um, And also one of my colleagues, who's now my my business partner and co-founder and our CTO, Rob Battiston, was calling on the Santa Cruz, Watsonville, Salinas areas. Um, So he got pulled into projects down there being mushroom farms or other things that were being converted illegally, I was getting pulled in from from the northern part of the state um, and really just realizing that we had a lot of skills that we could apply to this business and this industry, um, From learning from hospitals, healthcare facilities, pharmaceutical, biotech facilities, data centers, and mission critical around that side of mission critical, food processing. We did a lot of wineries, breweries. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, supermarkets, cold storage and things. So all of these really kind of join together if you follow the cannabis plant all the way through from, you know, whether it be, you know, what type of micropropagation you're doing or tissue culture um, through the cultivation into the drying, curing, and then in post-production processing, uh, soft gel manufacturing, chocolates, industrial kitchens, all of those
1: Yeah, the list goes on, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing your story also. Um, And I hope your uh, father found some relief from the cannabis plant um, as he could. Um, And there's absolutely a lot more health-related research to be done about how we can use cannabis for for cancer patients. I look forward to us unlocking as we go forward. Absolutely. Right. So today, um, you're... You're with Inspire um, and working here in the cannabis industry, which 2020 is a hell of a year. But what's going on with the company generally, big picture, and and what's your day-to-day like with, with Inspire?
2: Yeah, I'm really lucky to lead a team of driven professionals. Um, we're all customer-centric, focused, um, and, you know, we're goal is to help cannabis professionals achieve their financial goals uh, and the missions that they have. And we do that by challenging preconceptions of how environments are controlled in these different types of spaces that we've talked about. Um, And we really do that with applied science and data Uh, We pride ourselves in being able to break down really highly technical information, um, whether it be psychrometrics charts, different types of mechanical, non-mechanical cooling, dehumidification technologies, VPD, and how that is really a distillation of the air conditioning psychrometric chart that I mentioned Mm -hmm. um, on and on. And there's really almost no rabbit hole too deep um, (laughs) for us to get involved with. Gotcha. Um, And day-to-day, you know, um, it used to be a lot of on-site meetings, in-person, you know, visits. Um, Now we're doing a lot of things, video conferencing with pictures, videos, late-night Zoom calls Mm -hmm. between different time zones, Um, you know, but really some of the most that we have is really understanding our client's vision and bringing it to life while acting as a fiduciary for their money. Um, Even though it's not our money, we view it as our money and spend it very wisely, as we would if it was ours, uh, and so really having that that client that client centric vision uh, for us is a differentiator.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And are you doing business primarily in the state of California, or are, are you expanding into other states yet at this point?
2: Yeah, we're based in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, but we do work all over North America and are even involved in a project currently in South Africa. Um, it's growing very quickly. We've done significant work up in Canada uh, over the last year and a half or so. Um, you know, and the, the most fun of what we get to do is like kind of try to dissect each individual hurdle that could make or break a project, um, whether it be cost wise or ske- impact schedules and um, and costs of construction. And uh, it could be a four tier vertical facility with a wind design temperature of negative 40 up in Calgary, um, or a two level led aeroponics type facility, which is really cool. Um, all the way to 120 Fahrenheit, um, ambient and sandstorms down in the, in the desert and down in, in, in the California desert. So, um, Really all A to Z, we we, we touch lots of different interesting um, projects and relationships and, and are really just focused on um, building those long-term business relationships rather than making a quick buck.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So lots of different climates and, and landscapes there as well. So maybe uh, with the SpaceX launch, uh, next we'll just grow some cannabis on Mars or the moon. So th- that'll be a fun project to to engineer
2: (laughs) absolutely we can do it you know we're able to we're able to create that create that environment really anywhere anywhere that's located
1: awesome i'm in okay let's take our first commercial break and then we'll come right back and talk more with adrian from inspire stay tuned
0: ncia's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors
2: Not seeing many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on.
3: It's a dog's life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio.
2: Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots.
0: (laughs) They have pot that can
2: make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. so it seems like a smart investment. Look for Smart Pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at SmartPots.com.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's cannabis industry voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, and we're talking with Adrian Jivenko from Inspire. Uh, let us kick off this part of the conversation by talking about healthy plants. That sounds like a really good thing to talk about. Um, so how we grow and nurture healthy plants that are going to make it all the way to the dispensary and ultimately into a happy customer's hands this is part of a healthy supply chain. Uh, So let's start by talking about some of the controls that are needed in a cultivation room to make sure that none of those little pests or bugs or COVIDs or anything else unwanted get anywhere near that plant.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Really, for us, it it starts with two main pillars. Uh, One is airflow and the other one is appropriately sized systems. And I'll sort of dive into both. Um, You know, airflow is so key. It's one of the least expensive parts of your project overall. Um, But it requires coordination and requires understanding of things like room pressurization. How do you get that air from one location to another? What is the right type of movement of that air through your facility? I think we're all learning a lot about what room pressurization means in this COVID world that we're living in right now, trying to Mm -hmm. figure out. You know what what you do in a hospital to, to turn a room from a non ICU room into an ICU room, and really trying to make sure that you're able to protect the inhabitants of the rooms, um, regardless of what that is. And we view places where you're growing uh, and processing and curing plants in the same exact way. Uh, this is a high dollar business. You, you should treat it as such, um, and know that this really does help you impact your bottom line when we're talking about biosecurity and different levels of filtration that are required in order to keep out different types of pests and pathogens Uh, we've got a really high air change rate to move that air through Um, we're we're proponents of in-rack in-row airflow um, uh, devices to be able to directly Introduce air through the boundary layer of the plants and deliver that CO2-rich air into the lungs of the plant, um, and then so. And then, secondly, it's appropriately sizing these HVACD systems, um, and I say D HVACD. It's sort of something that we've we've made up, in a way. Um, fully understanding that dehumidification is, is a byproduct of air conditioning, and so it's, it's somewhat redundant. But um, for us, having that D there um, really helps hammer home, particularly for non-technical uh, you know, operators, and cultivators, and, and financial folks that are involved in these projects, um, that the dehumidification really is where everything starts in these spaces. We need to be able to remove that moisture and it needs to be able to match the transpiration rate per day. So whatever your plant is putting out via transpiration into the space, we need to be able to effectively remove. Um, and so that's, that's the right sizing of the system, you know, not, significantly oversized because we've got a lot of um, safety factors in there because we don't fully understand how these rooms really operate. Well, we can do better than that. You know, and we don't want to significantly undersize it, the number of different reasons why that happens. Um, but really being able to provide independent temperature and VPD control in an integrated system, um, we have found is the best way to be able to put that strong foundation down of cultural control, um, and then that cultural control, as you know, is the first pillar of a successful IPM integrated pest management plan. So really from the ground up, you can build upon your environment uh, and really help to um, positively impact your facility and and really, in a way, be able to re- remove and reduce the amount of extra, uh, you know, uh, things that you need to put in there, whether it be pesticides or other types of measures um, to really take care of things that, that crop up. Um, mm-hmm. Understanding environmental controls and the data that ties it all together is extremely important. And, and we, we really are very quickly sort of becoming a, a, more of a data company almost than an HVAC company.
1: Interesting. Yeah, a lot of what you said made sense, and I appreciate it from the perspective of someone who is not a cultivation expert. But uh, I I was able to paint a picture that, you know, plants can kind of sweat uh, as far as layman's terms might go. I mean, that's not exactly how it works. But so in a more humid environment, there's just different controls involved that can completely impact uh, whether you're attracting pests or creating molds or what have you, Thank, yeah, that was great. Thank you for uh, explaining that and breaking that down. Um, so, some of these growers uh, in our industry uh, have been growing cannabis for a really long time. Uh, some of these legacy growers, before before adult use laws were even conceived, when there were just you know caregiver and medical programs, I wonder what your sense is of what these sort of old school legacy systems, where like you know if it ain't broke don't fix it, in these older cannabis cultivation centers that are in place in today's industry, versus these newer integrated systems, the more higher technology things. What's your sense of the differences there uh, between the two systems and how it impacts the the plant cycle?
2: Yeah, it's a really important uh, topic
1: and uh,
2: and conversation there. And we, I mean, first off, we're very, very appreciative and we stay closely connected with the legacy cultivation world. Um, there's such small amount of data out there available uh, on the cannabis plant in particular. Um, and from our experience, if you don't embrace the legacy cultivators, um, you you really don't have access to the vast majority of, of the work that's been done over the years, um, and it's it's really important to to keep that connection and that community. Um, and personally, I mean, we've we've seen I've seen it f- firsthand how resilient and creative. Uh, these people have been to be able to get, you know, it re- a lot of hard work, dedication that it takes over the years um, fighting this through the challenge of prohibition. Um, and So we, we do our best to take that knowledge that's passed down through the legacy growers and look for ways to try to correlate that with the science and technology tells us um, so that we can try to make improvements to the overall process. Um, you know, we still do see, uh, you know, probably about 25% of projects that are designed with a more of a legacy type approach. I would suggest that maybe almost up to 50% of the projects end up ultimately going that direction, um, due to first cost implications, other projects. Um, but, uh, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in, um, that at the end of the day an all in cost. Um, a full let's call it a total cost of ownership, um, including the installation costs and the operations and the energy costs to run it over a certain period of time, whatever that time frame is. It could only be a year. It could only be three years. It doesn't have to be five or ten years necessarily. Um, but you, you approach very closely, if not um, in you know, end up spending more. Than what in one of these integrated systems would end up costing you and your return and your risk that you've been able to mitigate is significant.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, your bottom line uh, with the best quality product is what we're all aiming to achieve here. So makes sense. Um, Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's great to see the wisdom of, of legacy systems, you know, sort of being enhanced rather than completely scrapped and, you know, having to reinvent a wheel. Yeah,
2: I mean, with that said, it did take us coming up with new systems to be able to to serve this market. You know, we did our best to try to take advantage of other HVAC systems that were out there already in the marketplace, whether it be from a data room or a pool indoor pool um or outside air type unit and things to do our best, which is what a lot of other manufacturers have gone with. Because um, it's it's simpler, it's easier, the systems are already designed. Um, and we just unfortunately we weren't able to get um that cost benefit to work out appropriately um, to be able to not have to just basically design it and build it from the ground up. So Mm -hmm. we're able to do that now with exactly what you need for this particular market at the same price as, as what the others
1: are. Great. Great. It's good to be adaptable. So we have about a minute before our next commercial break, but um, I, I wonder as, as, as a leader who's seen a few types of projects come and go successes and failures, probably lots of money being spent on investments, what would you say is your big picture advice for somebody on choosing a project team and how to assess who's legit, who's right, who's a wrong fit, who might be a snake oil salesman, which unfortunately we see. Any quick thoughts there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is a delicate balance process. Of risk and reward that you're that you're sort of walking this fine line as you're putting these projects together. Um, I mean, project management is one of the things that's overlooked and uh, just really not not well understood in in this process of how important construction project management is. Um, but as far as picking the right partners, uh, we we call it trust but verify. You know, it's a very small industry. Everybody just about knows everybody else. So ask for recommendations. Call the recommendations multiple times if you need to, ask them detailed questions, ask for trend graphs from real live rooms, ask for third-party testing data and validation, you know, all of those things will help try to paint that picture. Um, and in, if if you start to get roadblocks really on any one of these, it, it, w- it should be a big red flag for you. Um, but really, in effect, spend enough time with them to really understand what type of business person that is that you're dealing with.
1: Yeah. Agree. Trust but verify. Yeah, vetting in our industry is, is absolutely uh, an interesting topic to explore. Uh, all right, so let's take our last commercial break, and then we'll be back to chat more with Adrian from Inspire. Stay tuned.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
1: Trends
2: and technology, processes, and products. We cover these areas and more on The Cutting Edge of Cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's cannabis industry voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're chatting with Adrian Jivenko from the company Inspire, and we've been getting deep into the grow room in our conversation. Uh, now I'd like to turn to your involvement with the National Cannabis Industry Association, specifically our Facilities Design Committee. NCIA has uh, currently 13 industry committees uh, with NCIA members who come together and collaborate and produce best practices and uh, resources for our industry. Uh, So there's other committees like the Hemp Committee, the uh, the Human Resources Committee, the Packaging and Labeling Committee, the Retail Committee. There's a lot of committees. You can check those out on NCIA's website, thecannabisindustry.org. Uh, so Adrian, your involvement with the Facilities Design Committee this last year, uh, tell me what kinds of projects you've been working on or your experiences working with other NCIA members.
2: This is a great point. Um, and r- I'm really, really excited to be involved in this NCIA Facility Design Committee. You know, it's the first year that this committee has been uh, been active. And uh, it really touches on what we just spoke about a minute ago about knowledge is power, right? And being able to to provide the right type of knowledge and firepower for all different types of professionals that are getting involved in this business, whether they had a background in you know one part or piece of the, the, the construction facility or another. Um, being able to really empower them with data and information um, and, and help share that of what's being created by a lot of different thought leaders throughout the industry um, and get that information out to the folks that really would benefit from it. You know, finding ways to work together with other organizations and Mm -hmm. be liaison almost, if you will, um, of being able to help bring through, um, Building codes, standards, um, lots of different development that's going on. There's a large void in building codes and mechanical codes uh, across the country. And so very quickly, based on how energy intensive these facilities are, the local jurisdictions are wrapping their arms around that very quickly um, and implementing uh, policy that is going to affect positively or negatively, the facilities that are being built um, and in development. And so it's really important for us to help through NCIA and the other organizations such as ASHRAE and ASABI and RII and others, thought leaders like Nadia Saba and Brian Zimmerman and Laura Bright, Kelly Sugg, Chris, um, Chris Webb, Brian Anderson from Anderson Porter, uh, designs is the chair of our facility design committee currently. Um, you know, all of these different thought leaders who you can find speaking out there on different topics and putting out um, education materials um, are really, really important in helping to bring that level of, of education up. Uh, and we're, we're excited about some of the, the outputs that are coming um, content-wise and uh, um, information that will be available from NCIA directly as a result of this committee.
1: I am excited to really looking forward to it. Thanks for providing all these powerful resources for our industry and a reminder to listeners. We have lots of resources on our website, including a special COVID-19 resource page, thecannabisindustry.org slash COVID hyphen uh, 19. We also are offering many, many more educational webinars Um the Industry Essentials webinars, you can register to attend those. The Fireside Chat webinars are a really special members-only exclusive that we're offering uh, to get inside information directly from our government relations team. So I encourage listeners, if you are an NCIA member, the Fireside Chats are exclusive to NCIA members, uh, but there's tons of other webinars that people can jump into. More podcasts to listen to, of course. Uh, and as we wrap here in the last minute, um, NCI's 10-year anniversary is this year in 2020, strange year that it is. But um, looking back 10 years and also looking into the future 10 years, I wonder if you have any reflections of you know where you were 10 years ago and if you, you know could have seen uh, that cannabis would get this far and then also where you see the industry 10 years from now.
2: Yeah, 10 years ago, I was you know five years into my train HVAC career living in San Jose, working a ton, playing soccer in Santa Cruz, um, playing and seeing a lot of live music, uh, much of it with my father, nice. late father. Um, and uh, I just about opened up the uh, sub office up in Petaluma that I ran for a number of years um, and also opened my first LLC. But I think probably most importantly is I met my beautiful wife around that time and uh, we now have two amazing kids. Um, and where do we see it going? Um, you know, I likely federal legalization within the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and that with that is going to come a massive change to the industry. Um, whether it be different types of consolidations, bankruptcies, winners, losers. Um, Mm. we, I think we, we understand that there's going to be some very large players involved. Um, you can maybe look at the, Look at the beer industry somewhat as a way, as a type of a model. You know, I do foresee craft growers around the world serving local markets in that sort of craft beer model for sure, um, and just finding really finding their right niche. Um, but level of automation is going to be significant. Operational costs are going to be very important. They're important now, but just get ready, um, and so that's reduction in labor costs and other other costs with with these facilities operationally. Um, and it's gonna be important to increase your system efficiencies overall uh, to be able to help mitigate that. Um, and really for I mean, for us, automation, accountability, and measuring your success with KPIs and the data um, are really things that you can start doing today. And these are things that growers, you know, f- farmers are really resourceful um, and they know how to win with low margins they have for for decades, um, mm-hmm. and you just you sort of have to put yourself in that in that frame of mind uh, that you're going to be you may be a lower margin farmer, um, but that it's a very rewarding uh, thing for for you your family and the greater good.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, we have run out of time, but thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Uh, where's the website where people can find out more about Inspire?
2: Yeah, you can find us at www.inspire.ag, A-G. And you can also find us on Instagram and YouTube and uh, anywhere else. Uh, We have lots of webinars and case studies and other educational materials uh, up there and available.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time.